It is Tuesday evening, or Tuesday evening where I am here in Surrey, Wales, and uh, welcome to Scare Space. This is where we're bringing stories behind the people and art that are changing the world. My name is Rebel Money, and I'm pleased to say that this episode is official now. It is official. Uh, Join forces with Scarcity, the place that sells Bitcoin goods for Bitcoin using Bitcoin technology. And I'm extremely humbled and to have this opportunity to host Scarespace. And hopefully I'll do a good job in representing Bitcoin art in the community. I want to thank Chris from Scarce City that for giving me this opportunity and to the artists and collectors as well for their wonderful messages. Uh, but you're not here to listen to me tonight. No, you're here to listen to my amazing guest. And it's an incredible way to kick off episode two. Joining me today is an artist whose art, and I put this in tweet earlier and I firmly believe it, his art is like taking a visual dive into incredible story, culture and history of Bitcoin. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Mr. Crypto Graffiti. How's it going, man? Good, man. I'm glad to hear you're you're doing this with Scarce. I've listened to and been a part of your past interviews and, and have loved uh, your work. So thanks for having me. May it's, it's it's an absolute pleasure. And you know, we we uh we had a chat around about a year ago now. It was uh, on on all twenty one ism, and uh, a lot has changed since then. And I want to congratulate you for becoming a dad. I'm not sure how far along the process you are yet, uh, but you don't have to. Obviously, if you do it at docs or whatever, but just want to say congratulations, man. Thanks. Yeah, we're almost there. We're like six days away from the due date. So um, if I have to cut this short, you know, you know why. But otherwise. <laughs> All systems go and beyond excited. Oh man, that that is epic! Thank you for sparing the time to come to speak to us this evening um, on the eve of the release of your incredible uh, collection and auction on scarcity and uh, what a collection it is as well. This these we have eight pieces tonight. We had seven pieces up until this morning. Uh, but thank you for keeping me on my toes. Uh, with seven pieces this morning, but eight pieces tonight, and it's an absolute career-spanning collection here. Um, I'm so excited to dive into it because it 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 is an absolute stellar collection, and uh, the art on on offer. Um, well, it would look great in any uh, collector's wall or any museum of, of art, not just Bitcoin art. So I think uh, and I think we should get started, mate, and start uh, tackling these pieces chronologically, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of covers, so might as well dive in. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go for it. So we're going to start off today with uh, Nakamoto, and it's a, a one of a hundred and it's a print of uh, from 2014 for a portrait of Dorian Nakamoto. And uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say this as well. Every single print that is on display in the scarcity auction is of the highest quality. Um, I'm going to read this one out. Uh, just it's the aqueous pigment fine art semi gloss archival rag print is signed and numbered, and it's actually got actual credit card fragments in this one. Um, this this edition is signed by Dorian himself, and it comes in a frame as well in UV protected anti glare masterpiece acrylic I, I gotta be honest mate that is if you wanted a, a bit of art that is the way to do it you know it, the, you haven't got any half 
measures on that. Tell tell me on how this piece came about because this, this was relatively early in your career, um, and what made you reach out to Dorian at that time? Yeah, um, well, it makes sense to give some background on what was going on with Bitcoin at the time, and it was a lot. You know, this was toward the end of 2013. And there was a sharp run up in price. We went from something like $200 in early November to $1,200 by early December. Um, And then the People's Bank of China had mandated that all the Chinese financial institutions stop processing Bitcoin transactions. So the the price had plummeted. And then uh, the the Mt. Gox situation happened just a couple months later. So um, the press was just having a field day with all this because according to them, it was the death knell for Bitcoin. How is it going to function as well, there's all these money price swings going on? Powerful nations were banning it. And then the biggest exchanges were going dark. So two weeks go by and Newsweek um, had come out with their big splashy cover story celebrating the fact that they were going back to print um, and they were digital only uh, prior to that. Um, and so they published this in-depth article from Leah Goodman that explained not just why she believed Dorian was Satoshi, but intimate details such as his home address, uh, his license plate, a lot of privacy invasions. Um, so story made international news and all of a sudden Dorian was just sworn by media and myself and others wanted to do something on his behalf. So I made this portrait for him. And how did that conversation uh, go when you reached out to him? Because um, I can imagine he was probably quite weary of, of outsiders at that particular point um, with, with his privacy being invaded. So did you just pick up the phone and just say, hey, Dorian, I want to help? Yeah, I initially approached him through his lawyer at the time. Um, in a previous career, I'd spent a lot of time talking to attorneys over the phone, so it was kind of natural. And um, at this point, you know, the piece was already created. So I was able to show that to him and the, the proof of work was there. I think he sensed that I was earnest. And so the conversation went well. I ended up driving down to Los Angeles and meeting up with them. And we've been friends since then. So I spoke to him like a week and a half ago. He's doing great. Amazing. And I, I think it's amazing how how his image now is still, how does he feel about his, his image still being associated so much with Satoshi uh, Satoshi Satoshi, if, if that's right. Um, and uh, yeah, how, how does he feel about that now? Is, is he kind of dealt with that fame and the invasion of his privacy now? Is he, is he quite cool with that? Uh, I think he'd prefer that if his likeness is used in art that um, you know, artists didn't prefer to him as, refer to him as the, the creator of Bitcoin. Um, you know, he is a real person and he's, he's had to move uh, for privacy concerns because people were coming up to him and asking, you know, are you Satoshi? Are you the guy? And it is important to just remember that he's, he is a real person. And if people think he's Satoshi, then it comes with the baggage of thinking that he has a lot of Bitcoin. So um, he, he loves uh, Bitcoiners for really supporting him. And, you know, he's gone to a couple of conferences and um, he, he is a Bitcoiner. He gets what it's all about and, and why it's needed. Um, but yeah, in terms of, him being in in the public, you know, he he didn't ask for that. That was just put upon him. I think I think he he would prefer to not be known as as Satoshi if uh, his likeness is used. 
Yes, and it, it is used still used a lot to this day. And you know, I, I delve into fake rears and rear pepes, and and you know, the the Fakamoto and the Nakamoto is is seen. Um, why do you suppose, why do you suppose his image is his image is constantly used today? Is it because people are trying to latch on to Satoshi somehow, and he's just this ethereal being? Yeah, exactly. I think. Um, you know, in large part, he reluctantly became the face of what is a faceless movement. And then also, it's just such an expressive face, right? You know, especially that one particular photo um, that made worldwide news. It's, it's he, he calls it his turtle face. And it's just, uh, it's so expressive <laughs> that you, you just, you're just drawn to it. Definitely. And, and I'm very, very guilty of taking that turtle face and, and using it on my profile picture, actually. So uh, I'm kind of kind of helping that along a little bit. So um, that, that it's, it's worth saying that this uh, this piece is, I, I think, it's a fantastic piece. And that 50%, I believe 50% of this is actually going to the proceeds of this auction actually going to Dorian. Is that correct? Yeah, correct awesome and it, it's obviously made of a lot of credit cards um how i you did you used to work in a bank how, how or do you have a, a <laughs> friends? How, how do you manage to and we'll see as, as we go through your pieces here today um how do you manage to source so many banking uh resources uh i'll i'll say trade secret but just know <laughs> that they they're used uh but not functioning so they're they're cards that had no longer been in use and um yeah we'll keep it at that okay that's fair enough hey, listen listen that's fine uh anything to disrupt the banks i'm i'm all for that so uh <laughs> you don't need to reveal your methods that's perfectly fine okay so that's the the first of today's uh, uh auctions and that's up on City. if you want to check that out um the second piece we have up coming up is Silk Road and that's a 2017 piece um, and this particular piece is kind of is a bit of a homage to the early black market responsible for Bitcoin adoption um, again I'm not going to read out the uh, the actual quality of the print you can check that out on Star City but needless to say that it is the highest quality material and, and when you get a print from crypto graffiti you are getting an in incredible piece that is incredibly vibrant on your wall um this piece is i find this piece absolutely fascinating um because i it, it, the piece is almost illegal in itself uh, am i am i correct in that the original is made from uh from a Keith blend and 60% THC ash oil and rolling papers. Right. Yeah. And that was sort of the idea is to, to make something that was quasi legal and to get people talking about whether or not it should be. And thus, you know, Ross's situation should his sentence have been so harsh considering his contributions to the project. Um, I felt some kinship with him because when I was a teen, I had an unjust run in with, the law myself, you know, something that nowadays would be considered innocuous. But uh, at the time, it resulted in civil asset forfeiture, and it really changed my perspective on, on law enforcement, you know, who are supposed to be there to, to serve and protect and, and just authority in general. Um, and so even, even though there were no, like, charges that stuck with it, I, I witnessed officers that weren't being forthright, and then they just kept my money. So anyway, I... With, with Ross's 
situation. Uh, I wanted to do something. Um, you know, he's now coming up on his 10th year of incarceration. And if you look at how drug laws have changed from a decade ago until now, and how much more they'll change a decade into the future, that's part of what I wanted to 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 look at and, and analyze deeper, right? This is uh, a changing landscape and um, what would be considered illegal not too long ago um, will likely change. So um, I made it from drugs to get people to question the legality of it and, and Ross's situation. And I sold it, um, you know, to get people to question, you know, does that make me a dealer? Am I no longer an artist? Um, when I was researching the project, there'd been past examples of art that had blurred the lines you know, without any ramifications. Like there was this sculpture that was made from cocaine that, that was sold and people were just fine with it. Right. And so try to get people to, to, to talk about Ross's situation and take a closer look at his role in determining, you know, how severe the punishment uh, should be in, in this ever-changing legal environment. Yeah, there's not nothing is is black and white. There's definitely there's nuance in that, and on Silk Road, which uh, well, how how important do you think Silk Road is in Bitcoin or was in Bitcoin's development um, at the time? Uh, it was, I mean, huge for adoption. You know, it, it proved a use case, whether or not you you thought um, people should be transacting in in a certain manner. Uh, people were using it, and so. Um, because of that, more people paid attention. I think there were uh, many, you know, myself and friends included, who've had experiences with trying to get some weed or something and having it not be a good quality. And then here's this site where it's more vetted. Um, it made sense in many ways. And so that resonated with people and, you know, the market spoke. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantastic early example of kind of uh, free trade um, uh, and very interesting initial use case uh, for Bitcoin. Um, I, I, this particular piece is, is, is if, I, if everyone wants to have a look at scarce.city, um, this is a one of 50 in particular. A, a lot of these, all these prints today that we're looking at are the one of the first editions of the particular prints why why did why why do you decide to release them all at once as one of what were the first editions of these uh all of a career spanning collection well, i was just keeping them not really thinking much of it and then every once in a while i would have a collector who asked for the the first edition and i would give it to him so i have, I have other prints that i've done too but these are ones that um i've just set aside and then um yeah, just held on to them for one reason or another, and uh, and then I don't know, maybe maybe having the kid on the way and wanting to get more sets or something, maybe decided to do it. But I'm I'm glad rather than have them just stored in some uh, you know file folder here, I'd prefer they be on, on someone's wall. I I can definitely confirm that a child will uh, will take away those hats, mate. Um, I, I, <laughs> you know, uh, there's I, I I don't have one myself, but I have a niece. And my my brother at the moment, uh, he is he's definitely struggling to stack as many sets as as he once once did. Yeah. Um, unless unless you're obviously you're, you're a Skrillers child, who um, in, in an interview with him, I think his he's started or he's making NFTs um, that put uh, 
that he managed to put online. And now that's probably going to pay for his college fees. So you know, you may may want to get may want to get your your child nice and early um, on the Bitcoin art. Get those crayons in. Uh, <laughs> little investment for the future there. Um, cool. All right, man. So the the silk silk road piece is again an incredible bit of of Bitcoin history where it kind of tested the legal boundaries of Bitcoin. And I thought it really brought it to the, the consciousness of, of kind of, um, of, of the actual public. And I think it was one of the, one of the first use cases. And I think we all know someone who's used Silk Road. Where, where did you, if you don't mind me asking, where, where did you manage to source the actual, uh, uh, the, the actual, uh, materials for this art piece it was just locally it wasn't from the silk road <laughs> okay cool I was, I was just wondering if it was used yeah. for that cool all right man so the third piece we've got here um we're going up to 20 2019 at the moment so there's there's a big gap there isn't there where um we had the kind of twenty thousand uh run up bitcoin and then the price crash then um, and then we have um, in that gap there in, in Bitcoin's history, and then we have running Bitcoin then coming in. And this is a really interesting artwork, and it involves one of uh, the, the crypto. Hello, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, uh, who involves one of the, the, the cypherpunks there, uh, Mr. Hal Finney. And what what made inspired you to create this piece? Well, um, I mean, needless to say, Hal is an inspiration to me and, and many others. Um, and so I wanted to do some sort of piece to commemorate him. And when I started kicking around ideas uh, in mid-2018, I realized that the 10-year anniversary of his running Bitcoin tweet was on the horizon. Um, and I like puns and wordplay type stuff like even my pseudonym you know for example so i thought it'd be cool to come up with a piece where the art itself could could run bitcoin and that got the wheels turning um and you know m many of the works that i do are how i get myself to commit to learning more about the different aspects of bitcoin so like black swan was to get me to learn more about the lightning network this mind my place piece is uh uh, my way of learning more about mining and with with how it was it was about nodes and so i dove in and i created uh, uh, a work on a safe deposit box that acts as a canvas and within it is a live node that i worked with casa uh, to make wireless so there'd be less cords involved and so it's adhered to the artwork um, so that the node will will only function along uh, with the art when they're paired together and so yeah it's it's live on the network as we speak the original uh is still running bitcoin um yeah this is the the first print from a series that i did shortly after how influential really do you believe how was to bitcoin in your opinion oh man um extremely i mean it's, even in this space where we're told repeatedly that we got to kill our heroes hal is immensely influential if you, even if you look beyond his contributions with pgp and reusable proof of work and you're receiving the first bitcoin transaction if you look at how 
positive he was in responding to Satoshi, even in the earliest days on the mailing list about the concept of Bitcoin, you know, when so many other people were, were citing why it wouldn't work. That to me is, is why he's such a legend, you know, through his com- contributions, he's um, you know, been super helpful. And, and it's also just this, this outlook and, and, and being friendly and general demeanor. I mean, it Phil Zimmerman called him the, the Mr. Rogers of cryptography. And that, that seems pretty <laughs> fitting. Um, so, I mean, I look up to him because of how devoted he was, not just to Bitcoin, you know, coding up until his, his last days with, with battling uh, ALS. But I've gotten to know his, his family a bit. And he was just an all around like great human being. And I think as a whole, that that is what, what resonates with, with people. Yeah, he's he is a, a, a an incredibly influential person and, and a real role model in in the Bitcoin community. And even I had a look at his tweets the other day, and the you, the account is still on there, still available to follow on Twitter. And I strongly suggest um, anyone who's if you if you're listening to go and follow Hal's account, even thinking as far ahead in terms of some of the um, arguments now around about uh, energy usage with Bitcoin, even back in, I believe it was 2009, 2010, whenever around that time, he was even uh, even thinking that far ahead and, and, and was a complete visionary in that certain respect. Yeah, so, can, so the art is paired with the node. So the node is actually working um, it almost feels like the art is really important to, to for Bitcoin because two halves need to happen. You need to have the network and the art. But it, in, so, and I really like kind of I really like that kind of line of thinking. How how important do you think Bitcoin art is to Bitcoin? In in all honesty, do you think art is helping Bitcoin? Do you believe that Bitcoin would be fine without the Bitcoin art? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, this could be a space in and of itself. Um, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> you probably know the, the what I'm going to say, but the short version, I think it's important because it shows that you know there's there's many different walks of life that are involved with this movement. If we want to appeal to the masses, it's it's good to represent the masses. Um, you know, also I think artists are like comedians in that we're, we're truth tellers, you know, if we're doing it right, we're not beholden to any sort of corporate interests. Um, and thus, you know, not afraid to push back against misinformation through, through the work. Um, and I think, you know, having Bitcoin art out there demonstrates that Bitcoin itself is thriving, like similar to how, like, if you go to a city, you're traveling somewhere and you see that there's, public artwork it means that there's enough of a budget to allocate um and means that the city is probably running smoothly enough to to be able to afford to earmark some money towards towards public art uh similar to with with bitcoin art and artists you know if there's a bunch of different people involved um contributing in in many different ways it's it's representative of what this is supposed to be uh you know reaching the people I agree. I think that, and I think also in terms of of Bitcoin art as well. I could, for someone who uh, is getting into Bitcoin now, um, and I've orange pilled several people. Uh, just one one last month actually uh, during the bear market. So if, if anyone's managed to orange pill during the bear market, you're doing a great job, by the way. Um, and 
I, I could almost use your art and just say, um, here, have a look at this. This is this is the history of Bitcoin and, and not just your art, but other people's art as well. And through through it has a different way of telling Bitcoin story. So not just that some people obviously uh, uh, digest knowledge via just reading or being told, but having a visual representation of some of Bitcoin, which in itself is, uh, you know, you can't touch. It really begins to spark conversations and it makes, I think, it really a lot easier for people to actually physically understand what Bitcoin is and how potent it can be for the future. Yeah, agreed. I think it makes the subject matter more approachable. Yeah, I had a, an exhibit um, on Market Street in San Francisco in 2016 with the Bitcoin accepted here sign and it was starting to get in the news more and more. And some people would come in off the street. And um, once they got over like this weird feeling, like, wait a minute, all this is all related to Bitcoin. Then they could almost like see their guard come down and they, they would start asking questions that they were like, too afraid to ask their, their brother who was like the, the family IT guy or something, you know? Yeah. It, it, it reaches out and has different, messages and hits people's people in different ways um and you know it's all it's all good shouting down twitter and having arguments online with people you've never met that's wonderful <laughs> but, um but there are other ways and other people digest different ways and how to interact with bitcoin and definitely since i started covering and analyzing the space there has been more and more talent that's been flowing into bitcoin art and it's an extremely vibrant uh, place at the moment and a really really privileged to be part of it as well so um yeah okay right Let, let's get back on track there thank you for that for that little commentary there. right going up to 2021 now and uh we're gonna talk a little bit about united nodes and in this particular night united i believe united nodes was first um or was gradually and certainly first oh uh, yeah united nodes United Nodes was first, and um, this this was the piece that really I, I I'll be perfectly honest. I, this is where I fell in love with your art here, and really captured my imagination. And I believe it was we discussed it at length in the, in our in our last interview as well. And this is where you brought uh, Bitcoin awareness uh, to working class neighbourhoods in the twelve Federal Reserve Bank cities, um, and I believe the the sheet that is available on scarcity of 12 bills um, of uh, of the actual artwork that uh, that w was displayed all around America. So tell me how the, this idea started, because in, in, in my opinion, this is one of your craziest works in the sense that it must have taken a long time to plan and implement, and it required a lot of courage as well in order to get this going. So how did this come about? Yeah, so the original of the front side was created way back in late 2015. Um, and I would say that United Nodes falls into the same category of other early stuff I was doing that like, tried to lean on the familiar. So like much like we were just talking about having Bitcoin be approachable. Um, you know, that's, that's what I was trying to do here. And so, for example, the reimagined bank logos, that was another way of me... Uh, trying to find some sort of like a conversational bridge from the, the fiat world to Bitcoin. Um, 
like our brains are conditioned to prioritize certain stimuli more than others, you know, whether it's something that is putting us in danger or that we're attracted to biologically or just in general, like that we recognize, right? Like you prioritize uh, uh, visualizations. And so because Bitcoin is such a novel concept and so different than money as we know it, the challenge was how, how can I get people's attention long enough for them to learn about this new alternative? And so that, that was a general premise. And so the, the original um, was one of the works that was at that exhibit that I referenced. And so for several months, you know, I had people coming in and um, inquiring about, about what was going on, but that was the piece that they really gravitated toward. Um, and so I would use it as a teaching tool and, and point out the different Bitcoin terminology and compare and contrast it to the Federal Reserve. Um, and so when I eventually finished the back of the dollar a couple of years ago, that gallery experience led me to want to, again, figure out a way to use United Nodes in an educational manner. And I originally had thought, you know, just something small like a, a wheat paste version of it in front of the San Francisco Mint. That was like my where I was going, but I couldn't really figure out the, the message that I wanted to use because there were several ideas that I had. Um, and then I thought, oh, you know, it'd be cool if I could have this be near the Federal Reserve Building in D.C. And then that turned into, okay, there's 12 of these different Federal Reserve Bank cities across the U.S. So that would mean being able to get 12 different messages out there. So that's ultimately what led to the BTC versus Fed billboard campaign. And so, yeah, I did a, a series of prints that featured both sides of the dollar artwork to fund the campaign. Uh, initially, there was a run of 21 individual note prints. And, and then later, I did two sheet versions of 21. There's a small version that had three uncut dollars on it, and then a larger one that had 12. So Upper Auction is the, the number one edition from that larger uncut sheet version. And for those uh, unfamiliar with the Billboard campaign, in short, a couple of years ago was when institutional interest in Bitcoin was really spiking. And I wanted people in more working class neighborhoods to learn about it before the price went sky high. So the campaign directed people uh, who saw the billboards to BTC versus Fed on social media, where together all the billboards sort of spelled out this, this story uh, and taught Bitcoin basics and, and, and why endless money printing is causing inflation and an increasing wealth gap. And the, the message, if anything, and I would definitely, um, definitely in Europe and, and even America, as we're seeing inflation rates skyrocket at the moment and really now entering, uh, we're entering conversation all the time, even with my neighbors, as soon as I go outside the door and we're discussing, I mean, amongst other things, the price of bread, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it really has reached home now, um, these messages that you're putting out. What was, how effective was that campaign, looking back at it now, a year on, in spreading the word of, of Bitcoin uh, uh, and or fiat debasement? What's, what, what, what has been your takeaways from that campaign? Well, I like to think that it was. I had several people DM me asking, you know, what it was all about and could they have some Bitcoin. And um, <laughs> in general, there was there was good engagement. But I think it's just in general important to have these types of outreach initiatives, you know, that get outside of 
our Twitter, Twitter, uh, Bitcoin bubble and uh, where people are already pretty invested, you know, those are, um, projects that I really like doing is try to reach, uh, the pre-coiners. I agree. It is is a bit of an echo chamber sometimes, isn't it? And as much as Twitter is a fantastic place for us communities to get together, it's, uh, outside of that and outside bitcoin world and for those for if you're listening yes there is a world outside bitcoin um but it, it is a way, another way to get people on board and get these really important messages to them uh did you have any comments from any of the the banks or or anyone um official from the campaign at all to uh, during the campaign no, um, you know, I rolled them out all at once for fear of having them, some, having someone say, hey, you know, we got to stop this. Um, but no, I, I mean, besides maybe being put on a list or something, um, I don't, there, there was a couple that were spray painted over. Maybe the IRS has some sort of street team that they're, <laughs> they brought on with all the hiring they've been doing. But no, I, I, think, uh, I think I'm in the clear. Mate, they're really sneaky, those IRS. They use all, all the resources at their uh, disposal. So, uh, um, no, glad to hear. And um, as, as the thing, as, as the old saying goes, you know, first they ignore you um, and then, you know, so it's, we're, we're only at the first stage yet, mate, but I'm, I'm sure now in, in the future, especially with what's going on, um, say with inflation um, and, and Bitcoin being a, a, a place for you to store your your time and your wealth, um, I think they have to start s- sitting up and taking notice. Um, just just uh, what happened to the boards after they were used then? Were, were they just discarded or did you do something else with them? I have a couple of them and the rest were turned into bags. I don't know if you saw the, the there was some duffel bags and, and backpacks and tote bags um, that had, I I worked with a company that repurposes vinyl to turn them into these these bags, and they ended up being pretty cool because you know because of the it's outdoor vinyl, they're they're durable. So yes, yeah, so we got a lot of people wearing them. I'm not going to lie, I was so gutted. I was so gutted when I saw the drop. Well, I was actually incredibly excited when I saw the drop, and then incredibly gutted when I got my deal web page and find out they'd all gone at, at that particular time. But they are the coolest bags around, and an awesome way um to, again to display and start conversations um just just being out and about as well using your art in 2022 then we had gradually then suddenly and uh this was uh debuted in miami and it was signed numbered um and this the process here has been an, a little bit different from your previous works really because uh, a lot of your works have focused a lot on on banking as such and using banking materials or trying to emulate money um but gradually then suddenly is is slightly different in terms of it bringing symbols of different currencies up what what made you change from your the the kind of the, i suppose the safe banking route banking materials route and then tried this these new methods um i believe it was copper plating copper plate uh die copper plate dies um in this particular artwork yeah well um when nvk originally reached out to me to do some art for the the sats card which is like essentially a reusable open dime um i made a piece out of cut up fiat and we were very close to running with that. 
but um, there was just concerns with like the form factor of the card being so small. And, you know, we weren't sure if the finished product would look like what I had created and if, if the sheen or just the detail would be lost. And, and so, um, yeah, so I went with a different design, um, which was actual like handmade symbols that I had vectorized for the card and then, and then scaled down. Um, but for the, the prints, there was also an idea of using like gold foil, which would be, you know, essentially repurposing uh, money in some fashion and ended up not, not running with that, but still stuck with the, the foiling process. Um, and for me, it was just a way of expanding my knowledge base without prints. There was this hundred year old shop in San Francisco that let me come in and taught me all about the process of embossing and, and foiling and all in all a, a great learning experience. Yeah, it seems like the the uh, it's incredible the the actual detail on it and the embossing. I you can, can actually see it from um, some of the photos how how it is raised, and I love the design as well. Um, I do. Do you love the irony that um, rather than cutting up credit cards this time, you've actually made a credit card in that sense? That's oh, hilarious. I didn't even think about it until you until you said it. So it seems like we're, <laughs> like we're coming yes, full circle. Mate. It has come full circle now, so uh, all we need now is someone else to to cut your credit cards up, and then the cycle continues. Then, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it makes an incredible card um, and a really striking design as well. And um, and I was really, I, I, to be honest, I was I was quite pleased when like, it was released because it was a, a complete. Um, design aesthetic change to your work and what i particularly liked about that it was it was exciting you're trying something new and, and many artists like to stick to what what they know and what has worked before so for, for you to actually then go in and try something and try a different method i think was, was really uh, satisfying and, and it was really really cool as well um th- that kind of leaks into then i believe genesis address which is a similar kind of a design point from that uh, from that point of view and uh, it was it was done earlier this year and to talk us through this particular piece what is the genesis address and why is it so important yeah so the the piece goes back to some of the early days when um, i was just getting started and, and putting up a random a bitcoin related street art around san francisco um so some of it was visual, some of it was pretty cringe. Like I remember having a like a missing poster with a chihuahua on it with a QR code, and it said like "Help me find my Bitcoin." There's some really weird experimental stuff. Um, some of it was just public and private keys, and the idea was to just gauge response in one of the main tech epicenters thinking that, you know, if, it, if people are going to be interacting with the, the pieces here, then that'd be a good sign for me to commit more time to the space. And so a lot of the stuff that I was putting up around um, the region was where like the shuttles for Apple and, and Google were picking, picking up people and, and dropping them off. Um, yeah. So it was me kind of testing the waters and uh, Genesis addresses is um, you know, the address where for, for the Genesis of blo- Genesis block where the the first fifty Bitcoin were sent. Um, so this is just my like fun visual take on it. 
And back in the early days, and um, uh, obviously cryptography, you were out doing graffiti, you know, scrawling your your Bitcoin addresses out there. Did you actually get any interaction or any sats sent back and forth or forth between anything uh, in, that, in that particular time? Yeah, I got a few donations, like enough to inspire me to keep going. Um, and also, like some of the street art morphed into using like the repurposed uh, banking materials like credit card fragments and stuff. So it was a nice bridge to, to start doing the fine art. It's, it's really cool. I actually checked out um, MLO's blog uh, or webpage, Martin Lucas Ochotowski. And I'm sorry, Martin, if I've absolutely butchered that. Um, but his, his website is really good to resource for the history of crypto art. And I actually came across um, one of your posts on Instagram, actually, um, with a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool all the way back in 2014. Um, so that that was a long time ago. And it, it reads, I sincerely believe that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies and that the principle of spending money to, to be paid by posterity under the name of funding is but swindling futurity on a large scale. Um, do, you, do you miss going, do you miss those times of going out putting pieces on the street or are you a lot feel a lot more uh, at home now just creating fine art prints um i yeah i like i like it all you know it's it's one of these things where you only have time so much time in the day and being able to focus on certain things but i have ideas for more future street art related stuff and it's just really prioritizing Completely agree, mate. And and there's nothing uh, that brings the adrenaline out more than a bit of, bit of street art. And you know, maybe maybe when you're waiting around for the baby, you know, around the hospital, <laughs> you know, that's that's a prime area as well. There, you know, we've got time bit bit of time on your hands. Maybe put a put a few Bitcoin addresses up around and and try and orange pill some doctors and nurses as well. So uh, just a suggestion there. You know, you don't have to act on that. Um, I'm, sure, and- I'm sure the wife would love it. Of course, of course, mate. Yeah, this is it. Um, uh, you know, have, have, have you uh, have, have you talked to her about names yet? Uh, you know, Dorian or Satoshi or, or anything like that. Uh, um, we have like a placeholder name. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> She's gonna kill me for saying it. It's it's Mickey. <laughs> it's just short for mixed race baby. But we're that's probably not the one we're running with. Um, but uh, I won't reveal the actual name for OPSEC reasons. Yeah, please don't, mate. But I, I think uh, I think that is really cool, and I'm, I'm glad you're putting a lot of thought into it. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, man. But you know, yeah, these 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 are other really cool names as well um, that you know we can think of. Genesis is a bit strong, perhaps. Um, you know, <laughs> Node might be a bit, but uh, yeah. Obviously, I'll leave that to you and your wife. Um, I'm sure you do. You'll do a great job, uh, regardless of of uh, of what what happens on there, mate. So, uh, but yeah, do do keep me informed on that as well, because that'd be quite quite interesting. Yeah. Okay, so on the Genesis address, there you had a little bit of um, uh, you allowed people to interact with the piece there as well. So you managed to get AR. What, why did you decide to choose that particular outlet for this piece? Um, in general, I like to have some sort of depth with, with the works and it, it felt like it could use an extra little something. Uh, also I figure AR is going to 
be more ubiquitous over time. Um, but the address isn't necessarily known, you know, even to a lot of Bitcoiners, um, you know, this specific address being uh, the Genesis address. So I, I like to think that sometime down the road, if someone stumbles across one of the stickers and they're wearing their Apple AR goggles or whatever, um, you know, pops the Genesis address, then maybe that'll get them to dig a little deeper. <laughs> Amazing. And it it does look really cool as well and definitely pops pops it out and brings it to life and te- is another way of telling the story um, of the piece itself. I mean, do, do you think that Satoshi will ever activate the address or go back to the address in the future? No, I mean, by design, well, by design or bug, he can't. Um, but apparently the donations that have been sent, like people are sort of using it as a wishing well. There's probably like closer to 20 extra Bitcoin in there now. I had heard that he he could spend those if he wanted to. Um, and I had also heard that it was like trying to lure him to interact with them um, to reveal some OPSEC stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't think there's going to be much interaction. I hope not. Yeah, I, I hope I hope the legend stays what it is, and it it makes Bitcoin just that bit more magical. Um, and yeah, I, as well, also with, with all the the negative press around Bitcoiners as well, at the moment you're seeing that donations going across. So we are to 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 the creator of this incredible technology. So we are we are good people. I promise. Um, okay, then we have. I believe the last but one of your pieces, and this was the proof of keys piece. And this is a fascinating, I think has lots of messages in it. Um, for those who haven't seen it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a Bitcoin B that is composed of deposit box keys, bank fobs and key rings. Um, what, what, tell me the story behind this one then, because it seems like there's an awful, awful lot of work gone into the preparation of this and selecting keys and treating the keys in a particular way. How did you decide on this particular art piece and the design on it? Yeah, so I had uh, leftover deposit box keys from um, a different project. I just had, had a bunch of the deposit boxes themselves from this this bank that went under uh, outside of Philadelphia and wanted to do something with them when I was cleaning up my shop. Um, and then a couple of them were, were kind of rusted and I liked, I liked the look of it and in general, just wanted to do something fun with them. I don't think it's necessarily that, that deep of a, of a piece, but it was really fun to work on. Um, and just, yeah, cumbersome because of these, the, the different types of metal and, and, um, um, the process was was uh, challenging and just trying to get the right colors that I wanted. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, snipping with uh, tin snips and then sanding, and I had used uh, painter's tape to to mask off the B, and so to get it like just right, where um, you know I'm, I'm kind of OCD with a lot of the the balance type stuff. It was just a, a bunch of sanding and a bunch of a uh, bunch of tooling. Um, and yeah, it's meant to to just really represent this this uh, new era and to teach about uh, Bitcoin from from what will soon be artifacts, you know, as we go cashless. So taking these these items that um, are from the the status quo and, and repurposing them to to then teach about um, 
this movement that's going to make the old obsolete. Yeah, I, I think that is very poignant. And, you know, having the, the keys rusted kind of signifying the old and, and withered banks and this, this Bitcoin emerging from um, the, the banks, from, the, from these keys, the B. The B. Um, also, I, you've had some particular fobs on there that were difficult to find and you had to go to swap meets um, to, find, to find particular fobs. Um, what was that like? And when you were pouring over these key fobs, did did it kind of uh, bring any messages to you about uh, about the banks and and the the how actually vulnerable they are? Well, most of them I just got online. I had like a couple fobs from like years ago uh, just stashed away um, that were like a reminder that I should do something with them though, and so they were motivated me to eventually make the piece. But um, yeah, like in choosing them, like some of the old logos and designs are like really really cool there's one in particular that i ended up not using but um it was like a depiction of a an acorn underneath the ground like um like a savings you know for 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 squirrels and um just going through and and some of the fonts from from the 70s and 80s and um was was a lot of fun so um yeah it it was kind of from all over the place, like finding someone from online and then from past projects. And, um, and then the, when I was trying to rust some of the keys, you know, because of the different types of metals, the, the patina would change. And so I ended up uh, running with, with a handful of, of uh, colors that, that seemed like it was pretty balanced. Yeah, it's a really striking piece. Is, is there any significance behind the 304 keys at all? No, you know, that was just the, the end result um, in order to get it to look like it does. But I, I, I say the attention to detail you have on it. And uh, I was looking at the very recently at the history of the, the Bitcoin logo, which I believe I believe it was done by BitBoy. You might correct me on that one. Um, and did you when when designing that, did you go back and look at the exact proportions and what those proportions signified in, in Bitcoin's uh, in the Bitcoin logos design. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy over that because there was someone who was purportedly a, a friend of Satoshi and um, yeah, I don't the, the I'm not sure which specifically you're referring to for the the deep analysis on the the proportions and the angles of of the the logo that Bitboy made, but um, there was one individual in particular who was uh, a lot of people think is is not being forthright with with uh, with the story. So, um, um, in his relation to Bitboy and relation to Satoshi, but yeah, in general, this is this is the the logo that we have decided we're running with for for many people. And um, yeah, it was I've, I like to use just different ones in the work, but um, for this particular piece, it seemed seemed like it made sense to not have it be too abstract. Like the, the pills one that I did was, was different. It seemed like it lended itself better to, to the round pills. This one, sharp keys, uh, metal, like shiny, just like pre- precision was sort of what I was going for. Yeah, guys, it's, it's a really, really cool, um, fun little piece. And so, you know, this is probably where I was going to stop up until about nine o'clock, 12, well, nine o'clock uh, British time. 
um, and, and we can say, right, wrap up. There's, uh, there's the seven options. But lo and behold, you like to keep me on my feet and you like to keep your collectors on your feet as well. And out of nowhere, um, we have a brand new crypto graffiti piece, which was pretty epic, uh, is pretty epic. And I'm, I'm not going to even explain this one. I, I'm going to just let let you have the floor here and you just go ahead on how this one came about, what it looks like, um, why you think it uh why you think it's a significant piece of work as i i believe it is yeah if it's cool you i'll just read the description from the the auction page um and just in general this was another way for me to try and learn more about uh one of the facets of, of bitcoin I, don't, I wouldn't even say i'm a, a jack of many of the trades because i have cursory knowledge on, on many things but um i've been fortunate to have people that have helped with this project and um, I know more than before I started it. Um, it's it's meant to really like represent the current state of of proof of work and the and the battles that we're having and, and with misinformation. So from the the description uh, in in Hindu and Buddhist cultures, mandalas symbolize the universe and typically consist of a circle enclosing a square surrounded by deities. Mandala follows a similar form and represents the current proof-of-work universe. For many, proof-of-work symbolizes a bright future of incentivized waste reduction, securing the sound money needed for society to thrive. But for others, Bitcoin has been presented as nothing more than a wasteful, speculative frenzy. The state and mainstream media are the deities that are guiding these beliefs. This divide is portrayed within the mediums of Mindala, dead S9 components on the front of the piece are paired with functioning components on the back. This allows for viewing of the art while it simultaneously hunts blocks. The art is renewable, potentially paying for itself, like captured flare gas in Texas or hydroelectric power in the Alps. Looking closer, a ring of tulips depict the deity's off-sided analogy. However, these tulips are made from hyperinflated boulevards, which serve as an ironic reminder of what happens when we blindly trust the powers that be. And then it goes on to discuss uh, what's powering it. Uh, it's an underclocked S9 hashboard with Brains OS um, mining slush pool. And then on the front of the work is an exhaust fan that, that powers on when you, when you plug it in. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to symbolize what I think is going to be a hot topic for uh, a while to come, especially as there's this um, increasing divide between the, the proof of work and the proof of stake folks and have a, a way of, of showing that like through the work itself, which is recycled pieces, um, have that represent what's going on with, with proof of work. So um, not only is the art renewable, but proof of work itself uh, can be used for securing uh, hard money that, that's going to be bettering humanity i think it's an incredibly striking piece and i was blown away when i saw it this morning i think it was it was excellent the first thing that came into my mind is what a, a beautiful piece it is the second thing that came into my mind was what an incredibly functional piece it is and then the third thing that came into my mind was i really hope someone doesn't put that on their bedroom wall because they won't get any sleep with all the uh 
the miner running at constantly twenty four seven. Um, how how loud is that? Is that miner? Is it because it's underclocked? Is it quite quiet? Well, uh, the PSU fan was replaced with a Noctua version, which isn't as noisy. Um, I could imagine some people turning it on, sort of as like a party trick. But I would love it if it, if it ended up being run full time. And my God, if if it found a block, that would be so cool. That would be incredible. That would be so good, and probably pay for itself there and then. Uh, so uh, it's so you can actually see this more as a as, a, as an investment than an art piece or or, or mix of both as well. Yeah, that would be. Um, that was another focus is this idea of what if what if the art could pay for itself much like like bitcoin um incentivizing um reducing waste right so um yeah i mean the odds are probably slim but that would be pretty darn cool and that'd be pretty awesome and i also like like the way you can say uh to your mate you know, oi, Dave, listen, I've got something in here that mimics the ca- captured flare gas in Texas or hydroelectric power in the Italian Alps. Come check this out. So uh, it's, and it's, it provokes conversation, not only that, but as I say, it's, it's an incredibly beautiful piece that I think combines um, nature and technology and and how how both of them work harmoniously in my opinion in in bitcoin but as you say there's lots of um arguments uh, at the moment and it's a very poignant piece that really brings that um to the fore so i think it's and this this is not a unlike the others this is not a print this is the actual piece is that correct right right this is an original this is the original so um that that is really really cool and i i also know as well um that there's other cool technology other than it being a miner and the the technical challenges uh, to get that work how 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 did you manage to get that work did you have to bring other people in in order to help you with the technical difficulties of kind of mounting a miner on the back yeah yeah i got advice from a number of people uh storms um Mainly Cachalo, though, who was a mensch for helping me work through, you know, what the form factor should be. I, I came to him and was like, look, this would be amazing if it just looked like art, right? And so the S9s themselves are thick. You know, there are these thick rectangles that house up to um, three different hash boards. But what if we paired it back, had this be like a proof of concept, which maybe inspired more mining-related art in the future, Um and so working within the parameters of, um, you know, the, the, the panel's dimensions, what, how, how could we um, design it so that it was thin enough to be wall art, but also had enough uh, airflow to, to function and not overheat. So that, those were the, the, the directives. And we designed it in a way so that, you know, the bottom is open and it's, um, it has some spacers, so it's off the wall, and then there's a blower that's that's directing uh, air over the the board and then out through the bottom of the piece. Yeah, it is incredibly incredible technical innovation. Then I've never seen a, a miner so flat as well. Normally, I imagine these S nine miners as these kind of uh, battering rams, um, but to see it uh, in in put in such a, a beautiful form um, is absolutely awesome. 
That's how how important do you think mining and proof of work is to Bitcoin uh, compared to perhaps the alternative proof of stake? Well, um, I mean, in general, I don't think money should be free. I think proof of work is like the lifeblood of Bitcoin. You know, it's validating transactions. It's mining the Bitcoin. It's creating a scenario where it's too resource resource intensive to, to take over the network. You know, it, it makes it computationally infeasible. Um, yeah, it's it's vital. You know, the end result is us being able to transact in this truly decentralized peer to peer manner. Where if you look at the alternatives, um, you know, there's big questions as to whether or not they can survive nation state attacks. So it's it's hugely important. And what, what what was your time or your your proof of work working on this piece? So how how many hours did you actually spend creating this beautiful mandala? Oh, um, I think it'd probably be easier if I was just like sitting down and making a portrait with pen and paper. Um, but even then, I, I sort of see this like being a, a trend in this space. But I don't I don't necessarily like it. Um, because like, A, how do you know it's accurate? Um, and what's that lead to, right? Are artists going to be surveilled 24-7 for verification? Like I got into art, so I didn't have to punch a time clock. <laughs> um, and like my, my sister's an artist and she has a, a great Kathy comic strip. I'm kind of dating myself. But she has this, this comic on her fridge where Kathy, who is a cartoonist in, in the strip, is stressing over how to charge for her work. And then she's saying, you know, do I factor in the cost of materials, the hours I lay in bed dreaming up alternatives, um, then, then what went into the final version? And same thing here, you know, do I tally up all the time I went driving back and forth to the water jet cutter or, you know, the resulting time that I had to go to the gas station? I don't, it's really not like my... Uh, preference i think I, I think art should have some sort of mystery and you know not not everything needs to be quantified definitely and uh yeah i could i completely agree with you and uh i have to say thank you very much for releasing that incredible piece it's definitely made my day and uh when i when i opened it up and i, I was i was blown away I, you kind of half threatened you might really might release it and i gotta be honest that i've I've never paid so much attention to water cutting methods in my entire life. Um, so the past couple of weeks of, of your Twitter stream um, showing us daily updates on, on what it is. And then I'm, me kind of turning my phone upside down to kind of work out what, what, what you're up to. So uh, it's a really, really incredible piece. And I, um, I think everyone listening agree a fantastic uh, addition to anyone's collection. Now, just before we go, we've got a few extra questions I just want to ask you. So, the uh, so Mickey is on the way in six days. <laughs> uh, uh, that's uh, OPSEC there, uh, the uh, pseudonym. So, how 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 is being a father, or the thought of being a father, has that changed the way you think about Bitcoin, or changed your art styles? Um, I think many Bitcoiners are principled about wanting a brighter future and, and, um, having Bitcoin be the, the solution to a lot of the, the ills that we're facing with a, a broken money. So I think it's probably just going to have me double down on my beliefs, you know, now that I have a new generation coming in that I'm going to be 
responsible for. Um, probably just more fervent. Um, in terms of my work, it, it might change. You know, I, I have a project that I started down at the, the U.S.-Mexico border. And in my first visit, I got pulled over by the, the Border Patrol in Mexico like three times. It was my fault because I had tinted windows. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure having a kid will make me second guess how risky I want to be at this stage of life. And But I don't know. That, that project would be really cool if it, if it if it pans out. So I think I'm going to do it. But it's it'll make it'll make me second guess certain decisions. I'm sure. Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, we'll definitely get fun together to bail you out, Nate. So don't you worry about that. You just keep creating fantastic art for all of us to enjoy, and we'll we'll worry about the rest. I'm sure there's a load of good lawyers in Bitcoin that we can hook you up with. So um, uh, and I'm really looking forward to. Um, the, your future pieces as well and I, I think that's a really fascinating insight there will, will your looking at the future will your main focus be on physical art still and what are your thoughts on kind of digital art space in bitcoin at the moment yeah um you know i really like working with my hands i i already spend so much time in front of the computer that there's just something very satisfying for me in the, the tangible um uh, but I love that we're getting traction with, with counterparty and, and some of these projects, like just in general, you know, digital artists need a way to, to get by. Right. And we're all just staring at these screens nonstop. So um, I think it's, it makes sense. I think uh, the, the whole movement is um, a direct result of a, a broken digital economy and um, with more and more stuff being uh, just online, um, there needs to be ways for for artists to really be able to focus on what they're passionate about and not just working for the man. Um, so I'm I'm all about it. I think um, by not welcoming it, and you know, there's a spectrum. There's a, a big difference between some ten thousand uh, PFP project versus an artist who's doing a one of one original type of thing, right? If the space got really corporate really quick, but if uh, I have um, some NFTs. I don't talk about them a bunch. I just want to support these these artists uh, who I think are doing great work and in, in pushing Bitcoin forward. Um, and that's my way of doing it. So um, I'm all about it. I hope it grows because you know we only have so many ways of getting uh, these messages out there, right? There's the written word. There's there's uh, art. There's podcasts and um, digital. We should have a big presence and. Um, in general, you know, it's if we're not if, if there's a lot of uh, ac action and activity on other chains, and um, then it's it's not as good for Bitcoin. I think I, I agree, and I think it's the way of delivering it is is a vector. And um, Chris from Scarcity and I had this conversation about, and it was it's quite interesting in the future when uh, Bitcoin transact uh, when obviously block rewards are going to uh, get lower and lower. The, the transaction fees um, are going to come into play a bit more, and uh, you know, at the moment, that's where we're uh, particularly on counterparty. Um, that's where the money for miners can be made. So uh, I, I think it's best not to dismiss it, and it's just a way of of kind of uh, trans. I suppose another way of the artist to interact with 
um, the collector. Um, speaking now, I, I noticed a few, quite a few Pepe's uh, in the uh, in the audience here. Um, I think it would be amiss if I didn't ask you the question. Um, for any of those who follow fake fake rares, the hmm. and you go to season one card twenty one, I believe. Um, there's there's a it's, it's missing, and it says reserved for crypto graffiti. So uh, I got asked the question that fake rare fans uh, have got on their lips: what's what's happening with that card? When when will it if if it is going to be released at all? Yeah, I would. I just haven't. Usually, I have concepts just come up and then I run with them, but I haven't had anything that has stuck out and been um, enticing enough for me to want to pursue. So I'll, I definitely have it top of mind and I have something that may be a possibility, but um, it needs to be fleshed out a bit more. So shout out to all the Pepe heads. Um, love you guys and what you're doing to push Bitcoin forward. And uh, I will, I will definitely be dreaming up something in the future, I just don't know when. Oh, I'm I'm incredibly for, for, uh, looking forward to that one, and um, I think the Pepe community will go crazy once that one is released. Um, plans for the future, my friend. We we have come to that time of the evening where almost let, almost time for to let you go. What what are your plans for the future? Obviously, you just released. You just had a big auction, so that's been taking up a lot of your time, I'm sure. But what what can we? expect in the next six months uh to 12 months for crypto graffiti other than a, a new human yeah that's that's definitely the front burner um i have a i'm going to be taking um a leave there and then first piece when i get back uh is a ross Ulbricht related work that i'm really excited about um that i've already started but just haven't gotten around to to completing um Conceptually, I'm I'm really into it, so I'm excited to get that out there eventually. And then, otherwise, conference uh, I'll, I'll be missing some of the upcoming conferences just from uh, being home, being a dad. Um, so that's that's the immediate future. Are, are we going to see you in, in Amsterdam in the Bitcoin Conference Europe in October, or is that too soon? Yeah, pro- probably too soon. Um, I would like to make definitely. Uh, Miami, but anything before that, I haven't really put much thought toward. Okay, man. Well, uh, really looking forward to that. So <laughs> we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait another nine months or so for a new crypto graffiti art piece. Maybe I don't know. You might spring it on, spring it on us again. Who knows? Um, but just to say, thank you very much uh, uh, for your for your time this evening to come on here and talk about your piece of work. I appreciate in in the space of an hour and a, and a quarter or so uh, to discuss your whole career um, is quite challenging, but I really appreciate the, the time and uh, for you to come here and, and talk about it with us. And uh, thank you for creating some incredible pieces of art that uh, that a lot, a lot of us Bitcoiners enjoy. Well, thanks so much to you too, man, and for Scares for giving the platform and all the people listening and, and the people that helped with, with the latest work too. Much appreciated. Is there anything I've missed or anything you'd like to say before uh, before we close here? No, I think that covers it. Thanks again, man. Uh, thank you very much, Crypto Fee. Really, really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, it's uh, talk, 
talking to one of the OGs is always an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, the, the people that have joined the space this evening live to listen to this conversation. Um, I really appreciate the support. Thank you, Scare City, for uh, making this possible in the first place. Any of the pieces that have been talked about tonight, they end on Thursday, some later than others. There are bids on them already um, and a lot of interest. If you do want to bid on any of the pieces, go to scarce.city and there will be information on how to set up your account and how to make it a bid. Don't leave it to the last minute. Um, get on there. Start getting used to the, to, to the website and how it's laid out. Um, but all the auctions uh, will end on Thursday. Um, if, thank you very much again for listening into the show. If you want to support the show by any, by any means, go and purchase art from artists on Scarcity or Bitcoin artists in general. And the fee for you listening to this show is that you just tell your friends about it. Um, I've been your host, Revel Money. Uh, if you want to message me about anything, I'm always keen to learn and improve uh, the shows and uh, to rep better represent the Bitcoin art community, you can reach me at Rebel Money Art on Twitter, and my DMs are always open. So, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us this evening or the, in the day, wherever you are in the world. Hope you have an awesome rest of the week and look forward to speaking again to you soon. Have a great week, guys. Cheers.